welcome to Know That, a deep dive into the week's Real Housewives episodes, where we offer our humorous, insightful, and unfiltered opinions. I'm Anthony Casella. I'm Donnie Hatfield-Smith. And I'm Quentin Lamar. And this is Know That, a Real Housewives podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Uh, Before we get started, we just want to remind you all to go visit our Patreon page because we are on Patreon covering The Big Shot with Bethany on HBO Max. Um, We have what I would describe as more tears than a wedding cake over there. So go see how you can get involved and how you can help support the podcast. It's uh, patreon.com slash know that (sighs) pod. How are you guys? Great. How are you? You're you're a little sun-kissed angel today. I am. I was just going to say, I am coming to you uh, fresh from a birthday trip in Miami with a equally fresh sunburn. Uh, (laughs) You you look like a cookie. That's what you look like. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And I got it on Thursday. So it's a few days, (laughs) a few days kicking now, alive and well. And I know this is a podcast, but in the Zoom room, I'm between you and Quinn, so I look pathetically pale today. I hope oh, yeah, this me. turns into <laughs> a Best tan. tan. Money can't buy. Yeah, I think it'll tan. <laughs> this looks like someone didn't finish like coloring my face in, like as if I was like a cartoon <laughs> or in a like in a book. I don't know. You look like, red, like red, like uh, Teresa's boyfriend when they went on that date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a red- full body blush like what the hell was that red faced and squirrely oh we'll get into lewis it doesn't help that you're wearing are you wearing a red shirt now yes yeah, yeah. like it all it's just all the same color it i thought you were out, topless so. at first <laughs> it's yeah it's it's bad up by so hard being we'll, white and then we'll <laughs> and it really we'll is and then we'll stop talking about this <laughs> up by my collarbone, like right above my chest. I have the skin of uh, like a, like an older Florida realtor, like a female <laughs> Florida realtor. That's what I have. And that was just uh, after a weekend. So now I see why their skin's like that. Cause they live there. Yeah. It's all like day gazing into the future. huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> UV honey. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's me. How are you both? <laughs> I'm great. I bought um, my tickets for the first week back on Broadway. So I'll be seeing Little Shop of Horrors on September 25th. That's exciting. I think Brian just bought tickets too. My partner, Brian, who I just said as though it's like a (laughs) storyline on this podcast. But um, yeah, we don't talk about the Brian. (laughs) To that? Yes. Yeah. He wanted to see it again. Oh, when are you going? Big Tammy Blanchard fan. (laughs) Mr. Mushnick. I don't know. I'll have to check in with him. <laughs> Brian, if I forget to ask you and you're hearing this when this airs, let me know when we got tickets for. Or just text oh, me. <laughs> Mr. Mushnick. I'm excited. Yeah, to I'm see looking you. forward to being drugged to more Broadway shows. That's that's great. I couldn't couldn't wait for that to return. <laughs> well, in the in the 10 performances they played before the shutdown, I saw six only four times. So so I'll need to see it again, at least twice, so I can say I saw six six times. <laughs> I want to see six. It's fun. Oh, you can be my number five. <laughs> okay, let's great. do it. Now is one Thomas Island. No, that's that's close. Old news. Okay, that closed before the world closed. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. But something that was still open when the world closed and just isn't coming back is um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf with Laurie Metcalf. I'm so disappointed. That not coming back at all, right? No, yeah. Oh, no, yeah. We were disappointed too. I wanted to see that. We had tickets to West Side Story too, which I think is coming back. Yeah, I think that's coming back. And I want to see, and I think we had tickets for this is a um this is a Broadway commercial. Now. <laughs> yeah, Quinn, do you have anything to say? <laughs> I'm I bored. saw his I, yeah, I saw his eyes like glaze okay. over. I know. Okay, one more. And then I want to see um Our to, kill a mock- to kill a mockingbird. I know this no. is a very this is a very specific conversation. I think the listeners, <laughs> yeah, which is most of our listeners. True. Quinn, what's going on with you? And don't talk about well, video games or my eyes will glaze over. I have no reason to talk about video games with the two of you. Uh, I'm excited because I'll be um, be able to perform again. I'm about to put together my first stand-up show. Like I'm going to try to book stuff, so that I'm going. I'm looking forward to being frustrated by that and probably never doing it again. But I'm happy that we can start like you know performing again. A lot of my community friends are performing too. So I'm looking forward to that and making the moves so I can get back into performing regularly. That's my week. That's exciting. I mean, you, t- you took us on a journey there, but I feel op- optimistic about it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't help that your voice, your default is naturally like the Like Eeyore is telling me how excited I'm he is. Very excited. <laughs> and it's hard for me to pick up that energy. Well, I don't know. I had to like, I'm still like half asleep from the Broadway conversation. So excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I know I realize this is an audio medium, but I still can't get over my appearance in this Zoom. <laughs> I look like a piece of salmon with headphones on. <clears throat> Maybe my lighting song, because you just look tan to me. So now well, he looks red lighting. to me, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Cause see, I don't I'm very bad at that, like you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, Donnie told me I'm not allowed to comment on people's tan status because it's rude. It is rude. This so. is what happened. When <laughs> we got married in Disney World and two of our guests came. They were like two days behind when everyone else showed up. So we had all been sun-kissed. Quinn is black, as you may know, <laughs> listeners. Um, and then two of my white friends showed up on day three and they had not been tan yet. And Quinn was like, you're so pale. Are you sick? I said, oh my God. I didn't know what was going on. It wasn't just that they looked, it was because like they had like suntan lotion that wasn't rubbed in. So it was it was horrific. I melt I melted into the ground and I told him, you can never say that to a white person again. One of the few things you can never say to a white person. (laughs) You know how you like when you bake like fresh bread and it's like in the in the midst of baking, it's not brown yet. It was a very weird look for me. As a black person, it was something that I had never seen before. I had seen pale people and I had seen tan white people. I had never seen the in-between part. So I'm I'm black. I don't understand suntan. The same way y'all don't understand how I feel about the police. I don't get suntans. So <laughs> fair, right? And on that note. <laughs> All right. This is exciting. So if you listen to our podcast, then you uh, definitely know our guest today, either from his uh, numerous podcast appearances or likely his hilarious Real Housewives recaps that he writes for Vulture. But as of next Tuesday, May 25th, he is also a published author with his book, The Housewives, The Story Behind the Real Housewives. Please welcome Brian Moylan. Welcome, 
Brian. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Hi. Did you like that intro? It was like a late night talk show, wasn't it? I mean, <laughs> I feel like I should come out to applause. <laughs> you are. You are. You are coming out oh, to applause. Thank you. Thank you. We'll put yeah. it in, in post. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Brian, your book is incredible. And if you are a Housewives fan, you're going to want to pick it up. I devoured it. Thank you. I'm glad you <laughs> liked it. You can buy it now at thehousewivesbook.com. Oh, perfect. <laughs> go, go, ahead, go ahead and do that. Yeah, I um, Yeah, I loved it. We have we each have a bunch of questions about it. And then we will get into the episodes this week from New Jersey and uh, New York. My first question that I wanted to ask was when you were researching and writing this book, you speak with ex-housewives, producers, and behind the scenes people involved in the franchises. Were you ever worried that learning too much about, uh, I guess, how the sausage is made would lessen your enjoyment of these shows? And did it alter your opinion on any of them in any way? Um, I don't think so, because I think that the thing about Housewives fans is that we are quite savvy, and like we've been watching these shows for a long time, and we know that they are produced, and that, you know, things aren't always what they appear. I think if anything, knowing more about it has given me a firmer sense of of what's real and what's not. Cause I think a lot of times you'll hear fans be like, Oh, the producers made Shannon and Tamara and Vicky uh, be friends again, or the producers did that, or they meddled in this and you know, whatever. And so I think you get like a lot of these conspiracy theories and I think knowing exactly like how the producers are involved and like how the network is involved and all of that stuff just lets you know more about how it works. And I think if anything, what I learned is that it's probably a lot more real than a lot of people take credit for. And I think that, you know, we want to see the producers kind of invisible hands and things when things seem a little fishy. But what I learned from talking to a bunch of producers who've worked on a number of the franchises is that if anyone Mm. is pulling strings behind the scenes or trying to produce it. It's the women themselves because they know what it takes to stay on the show. They, the goal right. is to stay on the show. And so they're the ones who are, are kind of doing things. And so I think a lot of times we don't want to blame the women because they're our favorites. They're the ones we see. We want to be like, oh, Andy, quote unquote, Andy said this, but like Andy really has not, nothing to do with production at all. So um, uh, quote unquote, Andy isn't really doing anything. <laughs> yeah, the chapter about production was my favorite and just learning, it filled in a lot of blanks. I was one of the people that knew what we were seeing was real, but I thought it was a lot more produced than it really is. Yeah. So that chapter was very eye-opening to me. Yeah, no, and I- That's the same for me. I was surprised about that. Yeah. Well, and I think it's great just to know. And, and I, I don't think that we all know that this is not, you know, cinema verite. You know, we all know. that, <laughs> and, and so I think like the extent that which we know it's produced doesn't really change our enjoyment. It's like we still love this thing. We still love these women. And I don't think that. You know, we always suspect that Bravo paid for the trips. And now that we know Bravo pays for the trips, it's not like, oh, now I can't watch the trips anymore. Like, it's just like acknowledging what we already knew as intelligent people. Right. Yeah, it's like how people can still enjoy soap operas, but you know it's completely fake. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And I think that, um, 
you know, but Bravo is really concerned, I think, about exactly that. And they keep a very tight lid on, you know, exactly how much people know. And it's like they'll show you some behind the scenes and stuff, but it's always like through their lens of like what they want you to see. And so even in like the Housewives books, like Bravo gets to read all of the Housewives books before they go to print. So they're if they're talking too much about production and any of that or in anything, they get really upset. And that's what I think is really maybe a little bit shady on Bravo's part is that if the women want to trash each other, as we're seeing with, you know, Tiffany Moon, they don't give a shit. But if they start talking about Bravo or about production, then they have a big problem. So... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to read and I and I kind of want to ride the line of of teasing a little bit without kind of giving anything away but like the heavy hand that Bravo has in making sure that these women fall in line and just how kind of n- not entirely powerful or the power that we think Andy has with decisions and that kind of thing. Um I also really loved reading about this is the part that I, that was juicy that I want to make sure people that I don't give anything away and that people kind of find out for themselves. I loved reading about the fallout from the season 10 New York, uh, Cartagena trip. On oh the boat. yeah. I was gripped reading kind of what <laughs> happened after that. And I don't want, I'm going to talk about it, but like had no idea about it. I was like, I couldn't stop reading it. It was incredible. And it was something I like mostly got to the bottom of, but like couldn't quite get there. So I hope that fans are satisfied with, you know, uh, how much we get about whatever. Well, and it was hard because there's been like so many amazing housewives, um, you know, moments in history and, you know, there's not enough book to go into all of them. And so, you know, the book is more of like a general overview, but this was something I kept like hearing about as I was talking to people. And so I started to dig like a little bit more into it. And so I hope that, um, yeah, people enjoy it. So it seems like you did. So yay. Good job. Me pat on the back. (laughs) Yeah. Great job. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I loved it. I did not know any of that. And it just, it was kind of like a, like an onion. Like there just kept being different layers of things that happened post the trip that I was very into reading about. Um, what I also loved reading about and kind of getting an extensive history on was Bravo, the network and how yeah. it kind of turned into what it is today and how for a person of a certain age, you're kind of able to then like reminisce about the shows from the past. I was kind of curious, is there a Bravo show from the past that you loved that you thought should have, or would have been bigger or were surprised didn't become a hit? There was a show on Bravo called the it factor. I think I mentioned it briefly in the book and it was like between when Bravo was like an arts network And like right before it Queer Eye would come on and it would kind of like turn Bravo in the direction of like reality and like what we know today. And it was a reality show and it followed like a bunch of actors. The first season was in New York and then the second season was in L.A. And it followed a bunch of actors like going to auditions, like struggling, like working at shitty jobs, like trying to make it. 
And um, and, and I remember in the first season, um, Daisy Egan was one of the people, and she was like the youngest woman to ever win a Tony when she was a kid. And now she like couldn't get work to save her life. And, uh, you know, she was like 30 years old or whatever. And, wow. um, and it was just like such a good show and like, and much more cinema verite than the housewives would be. But like, they're all actors. So they're all these like crazy, big, performative personalities. And it was just like such a good revealing show about what a young actor's life is really like and really how like shitty it was. Like I remember one woman was getting like audited by the IRS and it shows her like <laughs> audit and she's like crying in her audit, like trying to prove that expenses were really for acting and like, Oh my God. <laughs> it was just like such a good, good show. And then the second season when they did it in LA, one of the actors was Jeremy Renner who would obviously yes. become like very famous. And oh it was God. just like, such a good like quality show and there were a lot of shows around that time like um show dog mom and dads which was about like <laughs> people who are it was like a real life best in show the like mockumentary um there there was a that was a very good like bravo era i think um and that was like when yeah. i started to get into the network ryan i gasped when you mentioned boy meets boy that was my favorite show i know like in hindsight it was problematic with the twist but yeah i feel like i'm the only one that knew that it existed but i was obsessed with that show oh my god i remember that show you do remember, remember that it. show it was great <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it was great well and i, I think do. that for like young homosexuals i mean that was probably like a formative show and it was like one of the first times you were seeing like an all gay like milieu on like television and this was like decade at least a decade before drag race and so yeah. i think it was just like so odd to see um a show like that yeah and i think a lot of people forget about it, especially like non-gay people and so um you know i like to remind people that um <laughs> this thing existed and it was probably yeah not great and there were actually a few other similar shows um around the time that didn't like do that well but when that show was on i had a television column for the washington blade which is a gay newspaper and um we kind of like syndicated it to a number of gay newspapers like around the country. And so I was like deep in the homosexual television weeds, you know, back in the day. So I was having, like, I wrote a review of that show when it was originally on when I was like 23. Uh, like, like, like grandma, grandma Brian tell you about the battle days of gay oppression. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Boy Meets Boy is one of those shows where you look back now and you're like, Oh, that's that's not great but when you're when you're younger you're just happy for whatever they're putting on tv yeah like you're just you're taking just, in whatever you can yeah and it was like a bunch of hot dudes you know half of whom were gay and it was just like holy shit like i've never seen anything like this before and let me just yeah. say if the show came back even with the same twist i would still watch it <laughs> so i feel like what was <laughs> the most problematic about the show was that he didn't know the twist going in that they like yeah. sprung it on him. So like, I think if they were, if they told me like, Hey, you're going to be on the show and you have to pick between 18 guys and nine of them are straight. Like I would be kind of fine with that. But yeah. these days I feel like yeah. it would be way harder because it's <laughs> like, who knows? Well, and I live in London most of the time. And uh, like, girl, that Europe throws my gator all off. I have like <laughs> no idea. So if there was like, oh. 
18 Europeans, I would have no idea. <laughs> That's one of my favorite like games to play in New York in the summer, like or the spring when like you get a lot of the tourists. It's like gay or European. <laughs> I don't know. A hundred percent. And yeah. So you know, back then it was like Abercrombie Central. So I, I yeah. feel like it might have been a lot easier. I don't know. Yeah, back then <laughs> I remember I was like, oh, I would just make them blow me if they want to stay in the game because then that will weed the straight ones out. <laughs> but now I feel like the straight ones will do it to just stay on TV. No exactly. no labels. <laughs> straight guys would definitely let you blow them. I mean, so maybe like you have to blow me. That's the real, you know, testament. That's the real Thunderdome. <laughs> yeah. And also, I don't know how you keep the gay guys, like, off of each other. Right. Yeah, I think we need to revisit this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Do you have to revisit our problematic past? (laughs) (laughs) An an X-rated version. An HBO Max. I mean, I would, if I was, like, the contestant, I wouldn't mind watching two others that I didn't, like, get to hook up. Like, (laughs) can I watch? Like, you know. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Why not? Yeah, can can we film this? Just because I don't want them don't mean I can't enjoy them still. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, instead of getting a rose, you'll get a rosebud. Moving on. (laughs) What, Brian, what were you most surprised to learn during your research? Did you have like a Da Vinci Code moment where you were like, I can't believe I stumbled upon this? So there was like, I think that realizing that, you know, and hearing from all these producers that the show is, uh, you know, maybe even more real than we think it is. I think it was a big moment. And then there, like the biggest like Oprah light bulb moment I had was when I was talking to a producer, his name is Chris Oliver Taylor, and he made uh, Melbourne, Sydney, and uh, New Zealand, one, the Auckland one. And so, and well, and so he told me this was in the book originally, I think it got cut is that so, you know, he ran this production company that was owned by NBC Universal and they were like, hey, we want to expand Housewives worldwide you know we're gonna give you like the housewives brand we just want you to like make the show whatever and they sent them like a bible and it was like here's how you make housewives like here's how you hire people here's how who you look for here's when you fire people like here's like everything you know how to do and i was like girl do you still have it send it to me send it to me (laughs) and he did not sadly but um but then he told me that's incredible that what he found when you know making the show was that you figure out why the woman wants to be on the show And that is their storyline. So, and I was just like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Like, are they on it to find love? Are they on it for a business opportunity? Are they on it to get away from a controlling husband? Do they want to be famous? Do they want, you know, to make sure that Kim Richards has an income stream? I mean, (laughs) whatever it may be. And so, and that's like the story that you follow. And I was like, oh my God, that makes like so much sense. And just like- That's smart. Yeah, like putting it into it, it gave me like a new lens to view everybody through that um, I think has been really valuable. I feel like everything you named is Melissa Gorga's reason for being on TV. <laughs> um, yes. It, like every one of those is. things. I mean, I feel really bad for <laughs> Melissa Gorga because I think that she's really an undervalued housewife, like particularly in group scenes. But for her own individual storyline, it's always so lame and made up that it's like, come on, Melissa. Yeah, I- I don't mean this shady and everyone takes it as shady when I say it, but I think she would be a great friend of, I don't need to see made up storylines. Um, I agree. And, and the difference between like a friend of and a full-time cast member is we don't see their life at home. Um, yeah. But I do think that with Jersey specifically, you need that kind of family element. And if you take Melissa and Joe out, 
you like kind of lose that like family centeredness. So I, I get why she's there, but I wish that um, we could get more into it. And I wish that she could be a little bit more honest about how much she really hates Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Cause those were the good days when they were feuding. So I have to say that to switch gears, I usually don't like books like this. Like I'm really into Housewives for the the reason of like, you know, I'm invested in the story and the people. I'm not really a behind the scenes person usually on stuff like this, but I read this book in like two days. Oh, thank you. So, which says a lot. It was really fun to read and it, it was engaging. One of the things I thought about, like in talking about all these things, I wanted to ask you, was there anything that you really wanted to talk about with any of the housewives and it was like kind of like a no-go like no flex we're not talking about that completely shut down not really i mean most of the housewives that were willing to talk on the record were willing to do so and like talk about everything which i think was great i mean i think that in some instances like things i thought they would want to talk about more be more open about they maybe weren't or didn't like have opinions on like Mm. about you know like some of the behind the scenes stuff like i think it just becomes like kind of normal for them and you know and Mm. i also really wanted to ask talk more about like what it's like to leave the show like what it, or what it's like mm-hmm. to be fired from the show and like how that affects your life afterwards. And I just don't think that I found in a lot of instances, the producers had a lot more insight than the women themselves. Cause they're a little bit removed from it. Um, and, but in this respect, they couldn't really talk about that because they haven't been fired. And, but I also think the women didn't have enough distance from it to really talk about it themselves. Cause I always mm. kind of assume like, you know, Jill Zarin's sitting in her Upper East Side apartment, like plotting how to get back on the show and like getting fired ruined her life. And that's like all she thinks about. And, you know, I kind of want to be like, Jill, like, tell me I'm right or wrong. But I don't think that (laughs) they were really like insightful about that. But I will say like a number of the housewives I talked to both off the record and ones who I reached out to and talked to about talking to me for the book and who ultimately declined were former housewives who were hoping in one way or another to get back on the show. And so Uh, I think that that's interesting. Yeah. That they're all, Mm. you know, because once they kind of leave, I mean, they're, um, you know, I feel like they're a lot freer to talk about the experience and aren't as worried about Bravo being punitive, which they can be. Um, but the ones who want to get back on the show don't want to do anything to run afoul of uh, the mothership, I guess, as it were. Which so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, has Bravo come after you at all? Like like your Aaron Denise Richards husband? <laughs> um <laughs> So um, I talk about this in the book, like when they found out that I was doing the project, which I told them about because we had always had a good relationship and they wanted um, to partner up and, you know, would help promote the book and set up interviews and stuff with me, which I thought was great. And then they said, but we want 10% of all the sales and we want full control over the editorial and marketing of the book. And my editor was like, fuck you, no way. Um, (laughs) They then um, emailed every housewife, every producer, everybody, and were like, don't talk to this guy. And and like totally shut it down. And then um, I posted something like, so when I was at the, I found that the people who were most willing to talk to me were people who were 
who knew me or my writing and were like fans of my writing. And so um, I put something out on like Twitter and Instagram was like, hey, have you worked on the Housewives? Like, you know, it was like my final Hail Mary. Like, <laughs> have you worked on one of these shows? I want to, you know, talk shit. Like email Brian James Moyland at gmail.com. <laughs> and Bravo like saw that and like their lawyer sent me an email and was like, we have NDAs with everybody and you can't talk to them. And murmur, murmur, murmur. Um, so yeah, they, they have come after me like, a little bit but i think that you know you guys read the book i don't think that there's anything like <clears throat> too damning or incredibly damaging in the book but no um, yeah. i mean if anything it's like for fans it would make us like bigger fans but right. i think it's just that they couldn't profit off of it and control it so that they're i like that it was an unbiased account like it's not pro bravo it's not anti bravo it's not it's just it is what it is which is a great way for it to be yeah and i think it was good that um it was people talking to me when they know bravo isn't listening and i mm. think that that's like what we really want is like people telling us like really how it is and so sadly that means it's a lot of like this producer said that editor said but um you know i i don't i'm I'm not in the habit of ruining anyone's career, but my own. So, um, you know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to <laughs> do that to anybody. I loved it. It was like leaks from the Trump White House. <laughs> yeah, it felt, yeah. Very deep. it felt very deep throughout to me. <laughs> oh, to well, and it's like, you know, and I, I think I make this, you know, point in the book a couple times is that the people who make Housewives are behave like housewives you know what i mean and so it's like these people want to gossip and dish and you know they're like total rumor mongers like myself and so you know yeah it made total sense that's what we want to talk about is there anything that wasn't in the book that you were hoping for mm. There, there is nothing that kind of comes to mind. I like the way I like the way the book is set up. It kind of comes at like just the idea of the Real Housewives and like tears it apart in a good way. Deconstructs it is the word I was looking for. That kind of comes at you know why we love these shows and what has preceded them and how the network finally got to a place where they are kind of churning out housewives. There was no kind of angle that I felt was unexplored in a way. Yeah, I feel like you took us through a natural progression from like beginning to where we are now and you filled in all the blanks I could have had along the way. Good. Yeah, that's what I felt. It was questions <laughs> I didn't even know to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. You kind of, you helped me understand why I love the shows and why like I have been set up <laughs> to love the shows. Right. The idea of... um when two people or when people are discussing events from a previous night and we see this wife and her husband talking about it, and then it's inter intercut with another wife and her husband talking about it. Obviously, I knew that that was something that was done, but the way that you kind of explain the methodology behind it and how it's kind of either been done on other shows or where Housewives is borrowing from either soap operas or reality TV in the past and combining it, that was something that I hadn't really thought about. Like Quinn said, it was, you were answering questions I never had. So I was entertained and learning things. 
I will say one of the things that I did want to talk about in the book, being that we're in a queer housewife space, is like <laughs> why gays are so into housewives. But so I asked like a number of gays and like I, I found the answers to be like really not that interesting, like exactly what you would think. It's like, oh, it's like drama and powerful women and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, oh, OK. So um, it was like, that's, there's nothing like revelatory here. <laughs> I, I think there's probably a bit more than that. Like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of different women. I think. Yeah, totally. These women can be women that you identify with. Like, you know, there's certain women who remind me of my mother. I've gone on record to say Dorinda triggers me because she argues like my mother. <laughs> you can't argue with Dorinda. So like every time I watch her get into it and she flips the script and she does her evasion shit, I'm just like, I have to like get up and walk around. And like, <laughs> so <clears throat> I think that's probably another aspect as to why we, you know, yeah. we gravitate to these women. But Well, and I've always found speaking. it fascinating that for every woman, like there are people that love them and there are people that hate them. And it's like people who, you know, seem somewhat similar it's like not all gays love Nini and all gays hate Teresa or whatever. It's like, you know, you have mm -hmm. this, we have these relationships like yours with Dorinda where it's like, you know, all this personal stuff comes in and that's what makes you love them or hate them. And and yeah. so I think that that is one of the fascinating things about housewife dumb for me is that, um, you know, we, we all have different opinions on all the women and they're all, like constantly changing and, and it's, it's almost a more a reflection of us about how we feel about these women mm. than it is about the women themselves. And that, you can say that about everybody in life, period. Yeah, no, <laughs> true. Absolutely. Well, housewives is life is what we're saying. Housewives <laughs> is life. It is. Basically. And since, and since <laughs> we're talking about Dorinda, kind of, let's go to um, Real Housewives in New York, <laughs> the new episode that aired. Nice segue, right? Yes. So, so how do you feel being triggered by Dorinda now that she's gone? Because of the way I feel, because I do think she reminds me of my mother, I have this like inherent thing to forgive Dorinda. So like, I don't like that Dorinda's gone. Like I'm I used miss to her, her, you know, pissing me off, but it's like, you know, that's Dorinda. Yeah. So yeah, I found myself even missing Tinsley. I mean, I kind of hope now that Tinsley and Scott have broken up again that she comes back. I was hoping that too. Yeah, I would like that. I would welcome it. I keep <laughs> looking for a sixth woman who's not there. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I keep I keep looking around like, okay, I see Lou. I see like I, I'm keeping track of everyone and then I'm waiting for the camera to land on one more. Yeah, I was hoping I was hoping that they more. were bringing in Michelle as <laughs> As the, <laughs> the as the, a friend of <laughs> Diane, no Michelle. <laughs> yes. Oh my god! I think there is there is another friend of at oh, some yeah. point. But Bershawn. I I agree with you in that I and I feel like I'm not entirely sure that this is true, but I feel like they didn't mess up the casting too much because of COVID reasons. I think they didn't mm. want to bring in new people like during COVID because we saw like the New Jersey cast stayed the same, which I thought might have used a little shake up, you know, and Beverly Hills and New York both brought in a woman of color, but otherwise it was like mostly the same. So in Atlanta, I mean, there was only five of them and that seemed like not enough too. And so yeah. I, I feel like maybe they're they're biding their time. And then once, you know, they're kind of like playing it safe. Um, and then once mm. COVID's over, we might get more. Because, yeah, I agree with you. It's just not. And especially like I love Ramona, Luann, 
and Sonia, but we've been with them so long and we've kind of know their stories inside and out. Like I was hoping to get a little bit more of a new dynamic. Yeah. Someone Absolutely. else in the mix. Yeah. yeah. So how do we feel about Ebony who this episode, we learned about her history, the fact she was seeing a man, he chose to be with his children through a quarantine. So that's why they're no more. You know, what do we think of Ebony? What do we think of her story so far? I'll ask you first, Brian. <laughs> I really enjoy her so far. I have a rule that I call the Eileen Davidson Accord, where I usually wait like five episodes before <laughs> I judge a housewife. Because when Eileen Davidson came out, I was like, you're the worst. You're boring. Get off of here. And then after a while, I was like, oh, I kind of like you. And so I, I try to like, reserve a bit of judgment. But like all signs with Ebony point towards like positive. And I think I like that. You know, she talked about like she's met Luann before she's been to parties at Jill Zarin's house, that she's part of this milieu. And I also liked in this most recent episode where she talked about how, like, I've never been this emotionally vulnerable in a group of white women before. And I think that we were all concerned about how the women would accept Ebony. And I think it's interesting and unexpected that we're seeing like Ebony have an unusual experience like in um, a group of white women as well. And, but I also think that she's unafraid to stand up to these women. And I think that she is Mm -hmm. telling like a really great story about how she's found success and how she's reinvented herself and done what she really wants to do. And I think that she is a really solid addition to the cast. And, and I, I was nervous about her going in. I'm not sure why, but um, I'm very pleased with how she's coming off. Uh, yeah, I'm loving her. I think I had said previously, I wasn't expecting her to be so funny. Like she makes yeah. me laugh out loud, which I didn't, I don't know. I, that wasn't on my radar for her, but um, she's very powerful. Like she carries herself with a strong sense of self. There was a moment in the second episode where we kind of get a, a montage of all the times Ramona has either spoken over or not responded to Ebony. And Ebony yeah. just kind of clearly says, is the tone of my voice too low for you? And I, I was like, wow, that's, <clears throat> I loved it. I, I just, I, I'm really into her. It's almost like she's doing confessional moments like in the real show and she did it with like <laughs> Sonia and the fish too where she was like oh yeah this fish is biracial oh yeah this fish is body positivity <laughs> it's like she's not waiting for the confessional to read these women she's just like <laughs> doing it in front of their faces yeah and she's friendly while doing it it's yeah. like she's carrying out she's like juggling a lot of balls and, do, and doing it very well very well juggling balls <laughs> she's very relatable I, I've never heard anybody say bitch so much I <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so be like what she said oh she said bitch of course and still like that's like a, the period to her sentence bitch yeah and still in a newscaster voice <laughs> now bitch <laughs> <laughs> and now this bitch yeah <laughs> yeah she's like there's a thing like in the past like a lot of my friends know i've always said that i always have disliked women named ebony <laughs> It's like a whole thing with me. Ebony's like if the, if Karen is a thing, Ebony is also a thing, <laughs> and she has all of the great like attributes of an Eb- like they're usually very strong willed. They're very like her, she checks a lot of Ebony boxes for me. Maybe I like her because she's Ebony, like you know, with an eye. Maybe that's what. <laughs> that must be it i went to college <laughs> with two women they were twins and they were ebony and ebonese 
And oh. it was very difficult and confusing. But she was huh. Ebony with a Y, so maybe that's why. They were also lesbians, black lesbian twins. <laughs> and that's the energy that I'm talking about from Ebony. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. So when Ebony talks, she's speaking from her uterus. You listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we have this moment where Ramona calls a member of her staff to help. And we see this conversation will come up again with Ebony uh, next week. What do you call the people who work in your home if you're not going to call them by their first name? I'm wondering. I mean, staff, right? Yeah, I guess you would call them the staff. But also, like, what's interesting about Ebony is that we're we're getting a different perspective on behavior we've seen for a long time. And it's like, we've seen Ramona forget every staff person's name for 15 years. And finally, someone is being like, um, maybe that's not a great <laughs> idea, Ramona. And so, you know, and it's like, I almost want to defend Ramona and be like, yeah, but that's just what Ramona does. But also it's like, oh, but also that's mm-hmm. awful. And maybe you sh- should not do that. So, yeah. I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if she thought she had grown because she made comments before and called them servants. So now she's like, I'm not calling them that. <laughs> I'm calling them the help. help. Yeah. <laughs> like that book. <laughs> it's such a strange way to refer to anyone. But like when someone comes to, when someone comes to like fix the washing machine here, I'm not calling them the help. Like it's just someone who's working in her home for the day. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not staff either really. Yeah. I don't know. It's just an odd way to refer to anyone, of course. Uh, but I am happy that it sounds like Ramona's going to get a talking to about it. <laughs> we have a cleaning lady in our house. Her name's Camilla. She's Polish. And um, I don't know how things go in Ramona's household, but in my household, like Camilla is in control. Like if, <laughs> if she decides like something belongs somewhere, it doesn't matter. Like that's where it lives. Like if Camilla decides like this is where you know, things are going to have, this is how we're going to do things, then that's like how it goes. And so we are just all like at Camilla's beck and call really. So I don't know if that says something about Ramona or that says something be. about me, but yeah, it's like, okay, like you're in charge, Camilla, you know, <laughs> whatever you say. Thing, girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she even gets me out of bed in the morning. I mean, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. She's like, it's time to get up, Brian. And I'm like, <laughs> all right. you say so (laughs) yeah i'm living in your world (laughs) yeah exactly so then we have leah's burning man party um which i thought was really funny i mean how much money did they give ramona for this weekend or these five days at her house because i mean she splashed out this party looked great it it did for five women to be there yeah it's the way you do it when you have your first black person come to visit that's (laughs) what that was (laughs) right I I will give it to Ramona too. I mean, she was putting, she was putting an effort, like good faith effort into this week, not even a weekend, this week of entertaining at her home. She was trying really hard and I, I appreciated it. Even to the point when Leah said she invited Elise and her sister, Ramona didn't say anything back. Oh my God. He wanted to though. Hilarious. That was good. That was good. I grabbed Quinn's knee. I was like, oh my God. And, and at least Ramona was sitting there like, she was smiling, like, go to commercial, go to commercial. <laughs> so what were our favorite looks at this party? Mm. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, Ramona. I think it's funny that like Ramona is the kind of person who when she buys you a gift, she buys you what she wants. 
rather than <laughs> she buys you what you want. So I found it was interesting that Ramona w- seemed to be doing what the other women wanted. Like she was throwing this Burning Man party. She got shit in her hair and her makeup done. And, you know, it, and she really like seemed to go all out like for the other ladies. And, you know, but to answer your other question, I mean, Leah's look really was the best look. It was. She looks great. I also agree. It was really out of character for Ramona to care about other people. I liked everybody's except Luann's and Sonia's. Leah's was great. Ebony's was great. Ebony looked incredible. Ebony looked incredible. I mean, you could wear that like at a night out in Manhattan too. So, (laughs) you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Ramona's was great and like very non Ramona, which I liked about. Girl, Ramona drank that fucking Death Becomes Her serum because I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm like 20 years younger than her and my body does not look that good. So Yeah, she looks great. She I looks mean, incredible. I love I love Ramona for the show. I think she's great. Um and uh, despite some backsliding, this is a far cry. This woman running around with pasties on is a far cry from the woman we met storming out of um, a season one reunion because Alex McCord had nudes leaked in a hotel. Like this is this woman has come far, and I have to give her the credit that she is due. Absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. So, how do we feel about her not being vulnerable when everybody else was with the like, healer? She, with the healer, like what was that about? Because that was not Ramona being open. I didn't find her questions to be like out of bounds. Like I understood what she was asking. Like, what are we healing from exactly? Is it past trauma? Are we healing to like, I thought the questions were good. They were just presented in a very Ramona fashion that made people want to say like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But I thought they were fair game. (laughs) Totally. The tone was off. Right. As it, as it usually is. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. Her questions then bother me. It was like when Sonia said that she doesn't think about killing herself, but she wants to check out. And Leah and Ebony talked about her grandma. And then Ramona just was like, well, I want to keep you guys as my family. <laughs> I'm like, If you're going to pretend you're crying, at least show some tears, honey. And meanwhile, it's like R- Ramona's sister was on the show last season and she's like, I don't have any family. It's like, bitch, she was just at your birthday party. I was thinking about that. I was just thinking about that, too. Like, Wait a minute. Because I remember seeing her at that party. I was like, Ramona's sister. I have to see this. I forget her That's name. So what true. was her name? Morgan? No. I feel I feel Mary? like Ramona had like you know on Vanderpump Rules how um Tom Schwartz's triplet brothers from like the Everglades come to visit and it's Dark, like yes. City Mouse Country Mouse like I feel <laughs> yeah. like that's Ramona's family and I also I, like Country I almost Mouse. want a Ramona's family reality show like they're probably <laughs> as like crazy as Ramona but also like Mayor of Easttown like from Pennsylvania <laughs> and, yes like, I would that's yeah. what I want to see. I would love to get a deep dive into Ramona's into Ramona's family. Oh Lord. And the sister's name right. is Tanya. I just looked it up. Tanya. Okay, that's <laughs> that right. That tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> so if Ebony taps out, goes to bed early, says she hasn't been around this energy since her days at Fox News. Now that I thought was hilarious. <laughs> hundred percent. Yeah, that was good. is the Fox Newsiest of all the housewives, including Kelly Dodd, who is literally (laughs) married to someone who's on Fox News. (laughs) Absolutely. Ramona is so, so Trumpy. 
it's it's so weird and, and not even that i feel like she necessarily agrees with him but just how she handles herself the way she speaks the way she does everything is so like like are you here right now ma'am do you have any idea what you're what's going on here and it's like she kind of does but she doesn't I, yeah. I have to admit i do like ramona i shouldn't like ramona <laughs> and i probably wouldn't like if i knew her in person but what i know of ramona i do like ramona it's a wild ride it's good for the show she's good for the show you yeah. almost have yeah. to keep it separate. Like, I like show Ramona. I don't like real Ramona. And I'm okay with social media Ramona. Like, there's three <laughs> different women. Well, I feel... They are. I feel like what is... Like, of all the housewives I've met and talked to, they're all exactly like they are in real life as they are in the show. And I think that, like, especially... I always use Ramona as an example. It's like, well, what makes her great on the show would make her horrible at dinner. You know, it's yes. like, I don't want to sit next to you at a dinner that's and listen to you talk about yourself for like two hours. That sounds awful. But I'm so glad of your service to the reality television arts and sciences, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's how I try to think of it. I'm watching TV. I'm not planning a dinner party. Yeah, I right. want to be entertained. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. All right. That, we can leave New, New York now. Let's spend just a little bit of time in New Jersey. Um, Brian, what are your overall thoughts on this season of New Jersey? Um, I thought my biggest problem with this season after the initial like Teresa Jackie fight, um, it was just like the same boring storylines over and over again. It was like Margaret's book, Dolores's relationship, Melissa's relationship, Teresa not talking about her boyfriend and being like, oh, I want to keep some things private. Bitch, you are on reality television. Right. It is literally your job to get that boyfriend in front of this camera and parade him around in front of us. Until you lose him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it, it, yeah. Like, so if you're not going to do our job, then stop cashing this check and like get off the show. Yeah. Um, but also my biggest surprise this season was that how much I fell in love with Jennifer Aiden, who I used to loathe. And I think that yes. her personal storyline with her mother and her father was the only real thing on the show. And it was Riveting. Like, amazing. And then like, she wasn't as annoying and screechy in the group as she had been in the past. And then in this last episode, when Bill says to Joe, you know, Joe Gorg is like, Oh, all these women are calling me, you know, chauvinistic and whatever. And they're totally wrong. And Bill's like, um, Maybe if they all have a problem with you, you should listen to them. I was like, who is it? Bill Aiden, and like from this traditional background in arranged marriage is the only one who understands women. Like what the fuck is going on? That's here? what I said. Yeah, I know. Bill dressed as Prince screaming, listen. Incredible. <laughs> I know. And I yeah. was like, and then they like had their, um, he like proposed marriage to her with the ring and I was crying. And I was like, why am I crying at like <laughs> Jennifer and Bill Aiden's like proposal? Oh my God. It was crazy. I, I love, I love that, that they had that dinner in the foyer. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like fairy tale shit kind of like I was, I was watching them with their kids, all the glass around the marble. I was very, they are the American dream. <laughs> That's what they are. And I I like seeing that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like Bill and Jennifer are stars. Like, they have become stars of the show. I've I mean, said it before. I would watch a Kardashian show with the Aidens. 
I mean, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I don't know how interesting the kids are, like, individually, but those parents are, like, nuts. But when they were first having that dinner, I was like, oh, my God, this is so Jennifer. She's having an 18th wedding anniversary party in her foyer. Like, she's so fucking stupid and tacky. And then when she's like, oh, my daughter wanted to do this to show we're still in love and whatever, I'm like, oh, this is so adorable. (laughs) (laughs) I, like, turned on a dime. Yeah. It was cute. So we we finally did after the to be continued last week. We finally got to meet Louis, <laughs> right? Louis, Luis, Louis. She calls him Red Louis. The but his name is Luis. It seems like Luis. Okay. What did we think of Luis? We got to meet him. We got to hear him. He was an entrepreneur, which raised a red flag to me. But a hundred percent. When you are on the housewives and your husband is a quote unquote entrepreneur, there is a hundred percent chance that he is doing something illegal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I I need to know. I need you need to name something. Is there a business he started? Is he in a certain trade, a field? Entrepreneur as like a flat introduction to someone is run the other way. Yeah, I need <laughs> to see the Shark Tank appearance. I need to see like what exactly the product is. Like <laughs> I want the financials. I feel like presidential candidates and housewives boyfriends need to show us their tax returns. Like <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel like the gentlemen of New Jersey as a whole are probably the hottest. So my question is, A, would you fuck Louise? And B, if you had to fuck a real housewife of New Jersey husband, who would you fuck? Yes, and Joe Gorga. My who would I fuck answer is Frank Catania. (laughs) And then my answer about Louise is... I would fuck him, but then when I woke up and wasn't drunk anymore, I would be like, oh, I don't know if I should have. (laughs) (laughs) Joe Gorga. I mean, that's pretty much the best option there. No, I will not take this Frank Catania slander. I'm attracted to Bill Aiden, too. Really? Interesting. Yeah, it it wasn't there apparently, like immediately when I first laid laid eyes on him a few years ago. Over getting to know him, the personality has helped. I agree. Brian, what's your didn't do nothing for me. (laughs) Um I would probably sleep with I would sleep with Louise definitely because I am a slut. And I would probably (laughs) choose Joe Gorga, but like Evan Goldstein is a close second. And my other question is, okay, I'm I'm glad that I'm in a room full of homosexuals to ask this. So when Teresa was like, I heard Evan does stuff at the gym, was your first thought that he jerks off with other guys in the steam room? Yes. Yeah, because I, I thought it was a gay rumor. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's what I thought we were getting at. Uh, th- that's exactly what I thought, too. So thank you. I'm glad that I... I, I know straight people. I've never heard anybody hook up straight in a gym. Like, no. only, only gays do that. So if it was... They needed to be clearer... Did he meet somebody at the gym and then they met later? Or did he hook up with people at the gym? Yeah, and So she, when it was that he hooks up with people at the gym, I thought, mm, pole smoking. <laughs> right. Well, and she said, like, he does stuff at the gym. And I was like, oh, he, she, right. she means he touches dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what it sounded like. But then I understand why kind of we, of course, interpreted it that way. But, like, Teresa would have... Like Teresa didn't, didn't even know what she was saying. I guess like not not the most articulate 
person so she was just like a reliable narrator yeah (laughs) she's like i guess he does he does stuff at the gym but that's what i heard when she said it i miss steam rooms (laughs) (laughs) well they'll be back in september with the rest of new york maybe i I mean fingers crossed girl (laughs) in london they don't love a, a steam room um scenario as much as um American slash New Yorkers do. Oh, which what is, is sad there, for them? Is there like <laughs> is there a steam room equivalent in London? Like something that's not a steam room, of course, but a, a, like a London specific kind of Tower thing? of London, maybe. Um, <laughs> they have they have what they call cottaging, which is like public restroom like hookups. Uh-huh. Um, but there's also this big thing in England that they call dogging, which is like, and it, it particularly happens in the country, and it's like pulling off onto the side of the road to fuck in your car. That's dogging. With someone already in the car or is someone waiting on the side of the road? Um, like I, It's like some of each. Like I think it's sometimes it's like you just take somebody and fuck them on the side of the road. And then I think in some cases you can like find somebody on the side of the road. But it's like a straight people and gay people thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. See, that's trying... why I prefer to be in Germany. You could just do it out now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And you could like shit on someone's chest, like in the middle of the road. And everyone's like, great party. Yeah. Now that's a dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, how Germans I are. I do though. very well there. Yeah. I'm still trying to get over cottaging because it sounds so homey. Like I'm imagining making stew in like sweaters, but that's not what cottaging is. No, cottaging is okay. like and bathrooms. Yeah. And that's what like George Michael g- kept getting caught doing was like oh my God. fucking around. Yeah. And there's a park not far from my house. Um, and it has a very active cottaging restroom in it. Huh. Yeah. Such Ooh. a nice, such a nice word. Yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm reading like Little Red Riding Hood. <laughs> yeah, but right. I, girl, the- if I'm gonna jerk off with strangers, I would rather be in a steam room than in a public toilet. Like, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, that's what steam rooms are for. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, in the last few uh, moments that we have you, let's put this Joe Gorga thing to rest because it kind of took up the last of the episode is joe gorga a male chauvinist pig and what's happening with he and melissa and is this real he is a male chauvinist pig <laughs> and a power bottom a hundred percent um he can't top because all the steroids like killed his dick <laughs> and all of his sperm cells <laughs> oh my god <laughs> um oh yeah he only had one sperm yeah. Wasn't like he had one three he had three sperms Three, sorry, three. Um, That very real story. Yeah, yeah, I feel like yes, Joe Gorga is, and but also doesn't realize that he is because I think like everything that he's been taught has told him that he's right, and I think like Bill says, he he just needs to listen to Melissa, and and I don't think that what Melissa is asking for seems unreasonable. Hmm. And I also think that like. You know, for all of us who have been in long-term relationships, like those relationships change and evolve and move. And if you can't change and evolve and move with your relationship, then your relation, you're it's you're going to lose it. So, yeah, true, definitely. I think Joe Gorgo wants to get it, but doesn't get it. Like he, he I think he he thinks he's already where he needs to be. Yes. Well, and and I think he's yeah. right in that. Like he, you know, I, I always think of 
when Melissa wanted to sing, he was like, I support you when you sang. And he, his supporting her when she sang was to build a recording studio in the basement so that she wouldn't have to leave home to do what she was going to do. <laughs> so it's like, right. I will support you, but on my terms, or I'm going to support you, but then I'm going to bitch about it, you know, it, which is not really supporting you if right. if he's supporting her and then making her feel bad about it. Yeah, I I, I was telling Donnie, I grew up with a mother who like basically ran my house. I grew up with a mother who I knew could beat up most of my friend's fathers. <laughs> so I know what, like how a household instantly, who's in charge, who's more docile. And that's exactly the feeling I've always gotten from Melissa. And I think that's what Joe requires. Yeah. And I think she's sick of it and he's going to need to change. Yes. Agree. Yeah. And we would all fuck him. <laughs> More, more importantly, yes, that's right, that's right. Brian, before we let you go, any thoughts, any final thoughts on New Jersey or any other of the franchises that we might not have been able to uh, graze upon today? Um, I have seen the first episode of Real Houses of Beverly Hills, <gasps> and um, it's looking good, so I'm excited for that, and I'm excited for New York to like get into it a little bit more. Like, I feel like we've been winding up, so I'm ready to to go for it new jersey i feel like it was a little bit of a letdown so i'm glad that she is um sailing off into the sunset so and i just can't <laughs> wait for our girls to get back to non-covid life to be fighting in restaurants to be back on real trips um Definitely. you know for their weddings to be not be super spreader events like cynthia bailey's <laughs> like you know i'm ready for all of these things to happen yeah Definitely. Same. Same. Well, thank you very much for being here. Um, everyone go buy Brian's book, The Housewives, the real story behind the real housewives. Um, if if they aren't already, Brian, where can people find you and follow you? So um you you can buy the book at thehousewivesbook.com all on all of my social media is at Brian J. Moylan. My grinder name is Mustache Rides, in case you're looking for me there. Um, Cottaging. Yeah, or, or just find me in the Hagerston Park toilet. Um, I'll be there. Um, and then also on the 21st, uh, Vulture and I are launching the Real Housewives Institute Bulletin, which is a Ooh. newsletter that will come out every two weeks. And it's going to have like all the news and gossip about the housewives. They'll have recaps, highlights from all the Vulture recaps. I'm going to do original features. We're going to have like gifts and fun, stupid things. Um, oh my God. So you can sign up for that at vulture.com slash housewives um and that oh. starts the 21st and it'll be every two weeks Ooh, that's so exciting i'm gonna sign it up. is yeah <laughs> well, so um that's all the places you can find me awesome well thank you thank you again very much for coming on please come back anytime it was so much fun i was it's so happy to like get faggy with the housewives so um... <laughs> yeah i feel like this was this is the faggiest episode we've had to date I which know. i'm thrilled with Usually yes. when I do these oh, podcasts, yeah. it's like me and, and ladies, which I'm like, or there's like one gay, which I, and we're in mixed company. So I'm like holding back a little, but I was happy to be like, okay, who wants to fuck Joe Gorga? So yeah, this uh, was like a Bravo Bukaki. <laughs> I mean, so Welcome to our little orgy. Yeah. orgy. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Yes. Um, thank you thank so you much. Guys. Bye. Bye guys. Thank you for having me. I'll talk See to you, you soon. Of course. 
See ya. Bye. So before we move to Dallas, make sure you all buy his book. Everyone. Definitely. You will you will love it. If you're listening to this podcast, you need that book. I literally read it in two days. That was also because I procrastinated it before the interview, but <laughs> it was also very... Reading is reading. Yeah, you got it done. I consider our podcast a companion piece, but this was like a real companion piece. <laughs> like if we're like a side dish, that was like the whole menu, baby. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to Dallas. Um, so the things that we're going to talk about today, like I mentioned earlier with Ramona, like show Ramona and social media Ramona, I want to keep this with stuff that's just from what we saw on the show and the reunion, because both topics I want to talk about, things have happened this week, but we discussed that in detail on our Instagram live that's available now. You can listen to it on our Patreon or find it on Instagram live, but we're going to talk about just reunion stuff. So we open the reunion with Cameron and Tiffany still fighting and Cameron continues to white splain and her and Tiffany go back and forth a little bit. So without touching on the Tiffany and Cam of it in the news, how do we feel about this exchange on the reunion. I mean, Pissed. Cameron has no right or entry into the conversations that she's trying to bring up. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of as simple as that. Um, it is hard to kind of detach what happened on the reunion, which is bad in its own bubble. Right. But it's hard not to kind of be influenced or take into consideration what's been happening offline. Um, But any way you slice it, this exchange and the way Cameron is expressing herself is not good. Yeah, I feel like the reunion is like when I saw Cameron sharpening a knife and I was like, this is not great. I don't trust this woman. And then what's happening this week is like when she's going around stabbing people. And I'm like, okay, I'm officially done with Cameron. But I, I really... She lost me anyway with this reunion. Before, she was like a lovable dunce. And she wasn't always my favorite. But now, I feel like there's no way... If she's back next year, there's no way for them to not give her a villain edit. Oh, I don't think... I I can't see Cameron being back next year. I would hope not. I read... I would hope not either. Yeah. Because, and again, we did talk about this on the Instagram Live, so I don't want to dive too deep into repeating ourselves, but Bravo did post that, like, we stand with Asian communities and all of that. So there needs to be something behind it. We've seen Bravo say a lot of words before, but they need to start, like, backing up their words. This was, to me, like I, like I said before, it was really annoying for me to watch. I feel bad that Tiffany is alone having to deal with this with like all of these women i you know it's when it was carrie who was supposedly being treated differently because of her race there was a totally different vibe and i brought up before that i feel that it was different because carrie is technically white i feel that i was vindicated in this because they got a, a housewife who was non-white and they of course were hard on her it was her first season they're hard on all first housewives but there was a level of being alone and that could be because of personality reasons or whatever that I felt Tiffany was that I have not seen any housewife be that alone and on an island to themselves in any other franchise, really, for the reasons that I think that Tiffany was, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Their, me, all it, of their I, final thought was, I wish I would have, like, talked to you more. So 
what was the reason for them not to throughout the season? Because it's like, I feel that because Tiffany is like what Cameron did, she'd never be able to do to a black woman. Mm -hmm. That never, ever would have happened. Twitter would have taken up for her. It would have been a totally different reunion. And I think this goes to show how much work the Asian community needs to do as far as speaking out against what goes, what happens to them. As a black person, I say that, I've, you know, I've had like a lot of people like, you know, Asian people in the past say, you know, like, you know, we stick up for black people, black people don't stick up for us. There's this whole thing. You have to voice and be heard. You have to make this known and let, sh I would have, I wanted Tiffany to let Cameron know that she could not do that in a stronger way. No, I, and I understand how that didn't happen and I'm not blaming Tiffany by any means. But it made me feel upset that there was no support for her to help her do that. With even one more woman of color in that cast, it would have changed everything. Whatever color that woman would have been, yeah. other than white. And I think that's why hearing Ebony say that she's like worn out by all these white women, I think that was a nice exchange because, or a nice change. You've heard that from me. <laughs> yeah. you, you've literally heard that from me. It is, it is difficult to be open with white people because of how insulated and homogenous white people are and how much they take for granted that their everything is your everything. Right. And that's not the case. You, there's so many microaggressions that you have to compartmentalize and take and like take this and then push that and brush that off. Whereas everybody's just having a good time around you because they don't have to do that. Mm. It's It was very difficult for me to watch Tiffany sit there and be that way. As a person of color, it was it was difficult. And white people are draining. White people are draining. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Like I've told Donnie, like I need a break. Yeah, that's fair. I think we're also seeing, we're also seeing what is a problem that's been created and I'm not like taking the blame off anyone. This is like a Bravo problem, an Andy problem. Tiffany's the only cast member. There, there's tons of Real Housewives cities and they are rightfully diversifying their casts. But Tiffany is the only cast member who has been brought on in what feels like a direct response mm -hmm. to Brandy's fuck up. Yeah. So now what you've done is that cast, and I want to be clear, I'm not excusing how they feel. They're, the hairs on their neck are up now because they feel, and Brandy specifically, like they are trying to be had. But that's not ever going to be a way to get to know someone. So you have this kind of awful way that Bravo has started this cast with Tiffany where no one can win. And Stephanie talked about it a little bit. And here's where Andy's the problem. There are going to be conversations that are prickly and aren't going to be comfortable. But if the host of the reunions isn't comfortable being the facilitator of those conversations, they're not going to happen. Right. There was one point in this reunion where Stephanie said, you know, something something about we all try to make moments and Tiffany was trying to make moments, but we were afraid to react to them because if we didn't react to them, it was like damned if we do, damned if we don't. Yeah. No what Tiffany doesn't respond to it. Andy doesn't respond to it. And no one asks Stephanie to follow up on it. So I'm left thinking, oh, I would like to hear more about that. But no one, no one's comfortable. Yeah. And then it just goes away. It floats into the air. Mm -hmm. And I found that to be very, very frustrating. 
But I think it's like, in addition to systematic racism, it's a systematic network problem where I I don't think we've seen it on any of the other shows yet. But because of the way Tiffany was brought on to Dallas, we're seeing it. It's like it's cooking in real time. It's cooking there. And it's like and it's not Tiffany's fault. It's every other facet of the show's fault. The cast, the network, this decision it's just, it's a stew of bad things. Yeah, because so, even if they would have brought in a black woman as like their diversity for this season, it wouldn't have been in like retaliation, I guess, or in response to Brandy's video. So while they may have been aware that this woman, you know, we have to be careful what we say around this woman, they wouldn't be as worried about because. I think they already thought that they were caught with Brandy's video. So now we're just trying to be caught again. Yeah, it's yeah. ugly. It's yeah. it's just an ugly way for all of them to feel. And and I mean like I'm putting Tiffany's feelings above everyone else's, but I can understand why every single person is like, what the fuck? Yeah. What are we supposed to do here? What are you wanting from us? Because when Tiffany's like, you you run around with dildos, or she didn't say that, but the cat, like, basically, what part don't you feel like you can be around me? Yeah. The unspoken part is like the part that does impressions that you shouldn't be doing. But then the other part is, and no one's articulating it, and I don't know if it's the show that won't show them articulating it, them not being smart enough to, Brandy probably feels like, well, yes, that part, but also the part where the show's trying to like put the nail in my coffin. Right. So it's like, but you can't say that or the show doesn't want you to say that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's not good. But here's the thing. It's like when they, when Deandra brought up the fact that she should have facilitated conversations, that was the only way that this could have not been a problem. The only yeah. way that they wouldn't have had this problem with Tiffany is if they actually spoke to somebody from the community, her with, she had to say, it is okay for her to walk around and say, love you long time. That's fine. She can say that the same way I can drop the M-bomb whenever I feel like it. That's my group. That's my word. Right. That's how whatever. Now, if you laugh at me saying it, I have no problem with that. You understand where I'm coming from with the context. For her to sit back and be like, I didn't know whether or not I should laugh at that. You can laugh at it if you have a conversation with Tiffany and she tells you what offends her. And if that's okay, then that's okay. Yeah. Does that mean you can join in? Yeah, love you long. No, you can't do that. That's not what's going to happen. Right. So I think it's a very clear thing. They just didn't want to do the work to understand what they needed to do. There's an adjustment that's needed to accommodate Tiffany that they didn't want to do and they weren't going to do. So there's other layers to it, like the gotcha layer. They have this whole, the season's coming in. Tiffany was brought in for a reason. All those things are true, but these are all things that they could have done if they were the type of people who knew how to do this because they were used to being around diverse people, but they're not. So you get what Cameron did, which is basically, I'm going to try to outsmart you. I'm going to try to like get down in this and do this. And I feel that I'm being fair because I'm coming at you the way I would come at any other housewife, completely disregarding the context of the race, completely all of that just being lost and showing just how ignorant and how stupid Cameron is. (laughs) Like I thought Cameron was, you know, she was playing a role and she wasn't smart and all that stuff. And she believed it. Cameron is stupid. She is flat out dumb. She's ignorant. She's, that's one of the most tone deaf and distasteful things I've ever seen anybody do just for the sake of trying to win, which she can't win. And it makes me angry. Like I said before, that this is what Asian Americans have to deal with the diversity that nobody has to do any work for. And that's what needs to change. That's what we need to change. Yeah. Yeah. 
and Cameron was out, was, she wasn't looking for a, she was looking for a gotcha moment at the reunion. There was a moment where she had more papers behind her and the camera caught her give, I guess it would be Stephanie since Stephanie was the only person in Cameron's row allowed to be at the reunion because Brandy was often in a hotel room. She gave her like a smirk, like watch this and took papers up behind her back when she was going to try another tactic in it. Just very tone deaf and not not helping a conversation that could have really healed because she wasn't interested in that. Yeah. And then once she's beating her down, like, are you, are you giving up? You're tapping out. Okay. Now we can be friends. Let's hug. Like I've kicked your ass. Now let's hug. That was the part that to me was completely indicative of white colonialism. Now, after I've been this terrible person that beating you down, now let's act like nothing happened. And now we can be friends, get over it because it doesn't matter to me. So I can let it go. You did this to an entire community of people and to me on national TV, but I'm just supposed to let it go. And for the sake of keeping the peace, Tiffany did. And just a part of me just was like, it was gross. It was very gross. As a black person, it made me so angry, so angry to see. Our relationship with white people is totally different. We have a very unique relationship with white people compared to what Asians deal with. And I just wanted, it was almost like watching a supervillain go up against uh, uh, the hero that couldn't, who didn't know how to fight him. Like that's yeah, what it was, it was like. Ugly. It was Lex Luthor fighting somebody else. Now Superman. I told you not to talk about comic books earlier, and you said I know not to talk about comics with you, and yet here it is. <laughs> I'm talking to the listeners. I don't care about your white ass. <laughs> <laughs> this is for me. You're absolutely right. So then, moving on, there was one more thing I wanted to talk about that happened at the reunion, where Brandy is talking about the video of Brian with the other woman at the club, and she says someone sent it to her daughter on Instagram. Um, and she thinks that it's Leanne. Do we all think <clears throat> this? It, I don't, I don't know if it's Leanne. If it is Leanne, I have two emotions. One is horrified. The other is a slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> it's masterful if it was her and also horrible. Yeah. I thought there I thought I had also seen that there are text messages floating around that Leanne released where it's a conversation between Brandy and Leanne where Leanne says, I hope you would know I would never do anything like that. Having my own rough childhood or something to that effect. And Brandy was like, I know. So I guess I didn't understand what this was because I already thought it was debunked. But everyone on the cast, including Andy, was just agreed that it was Leanne. But I... They all agreed. Yes, they did. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't feel like that should be included unless you knew it was Leanne. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I think they just did it for ratings. I don't know if they even really... I think at this point they just use her name and now here's my obscure reference that I don't care if it's for you two, it's for the listeners. I feel like Leanne has just become like red herring from a pup named (laughs) Scooby-Doo where they just throw her name around anytime anything bad happens whether they really believe it or not. Yeah, that's what it seems like. I did not really. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the end of that segment. Do did we have a winner this reunion? If anyone, I think Tiffany, but I even feel like I feel like she, like how Quinn said, oh, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm gonna throw up. Like he said <laughs> during the Atlanta reunion, you can fight Superman and it won't look like you won, even if you want. I feel like that's 
Like Tiffany literally walked away with a bloody nose, but I still feel like she's the only acceptable answer. I mean, yes, she is. And I will also say, I didn't think anyone came off well at this reunion. Oh, I disagree. I, I think anyone. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I, I just Tiffany is the least horrific out of everyone. But I I still don't think that that means that she's perfect. Right. For no, me. And not. I saw someone who was kind of like stonewalling the questions. Didn't didn't really want to be there, which is fine. But it. It got frustrating because there are there were real things that could have been asked and talked about. But if the women aren't willing to back Tiffany up against evil, mm-hmm. Deandra, or engage in real conversations about things Tiffany did, that would be like the same way you would talk about any other housewife because they're afraid that that means something else. Right. Then it's 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 a big problem. Yeah. And you've said it. Yeah. And you've said it numerous times that Anthony, I mean, that Andy needs to go, especially at the reunions. He can keep watch what happens live. But on The Bachelor this year, the season got very racial and they brought in Emmanuel Acho, the the writer of Conversations with the Black Man. And he had and he even said on his Instagram that like he asked questions that ABC said no to. And he said, like, you didn't see this on the show because they edited it out. But I talked about this. And that's if we're going to diversify these shows with only one woman of color that is going to bring race into it in an ugly way. And we need someone that hosts these shows to talk about it. Yeah, these shows can evolve they could evolve in the way that people who've always watched them could still enjoy them. Like I don't, they could turn into something else that involves all different kinds of people, but then the network itself and the the people who then have the conversations about those things have to be willing to have the conversations about those things. It can't be people who are too afraid to talk about things that are happening on the show because they don't know how to ask Mm -hmm. about them. Then we have to change that talent too. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're putting a lot of pressure on the people of color who you're casting to create conflict, to carry all the conflict and the explanations. I agree with that 100%. I think that Deandra came out looking not as bad, uh, but they all came out looking pretty bad. Yeah. And I, I'm happy that Deandra apologized about how she spoke to her mother, which whew, that was, especially seeing it back again, that was rough. Um, but I think she is probably the second best person out of this. I, I just left this feeling really bad for Brandy. Like things seem to be going really like, and then at one point, like her mic was off. She's using her hand. Like I was like, this woman is falling apart. <laughs> like somebody help her. Yeah. She had like one like, contact out, like a baby was, was, was suckling. It was a lot happening. It was. Oh my God. Whew. I did not. I knew about the accident, but to hear her talk about it and sandwiched together with everything else that she's dealt with this year and the video, it was kind of like, oh, I think you should definitely, if Dallas isn't dead, <laughs> you should definitely take some time off from this show. Yeah. Um, And I, I want to say, because I, I consider this to be our own Real Housewives, where we are honest about our feelings. Of course. I did not like her at all this season. There is an energy that Carrie brought to this reunion where I could see her. I don't know if it was acting or not, 
as someone who was grappling with her behavior and being honest about the fact that her marriage failed, I I was more empathetic to her. And I saw someone who I think maybe understands a little bit about why her behavior was awful this year in a way that didn't make me want to kill her. Like it was, I liked her a little, I don't want to use that phrase. I didn't dislike her as much as I have. Maybe it's maybe it's because she wasn't present, but I saw someone who knew that they had fucked up is the best way that I'll say. Now, with that said, if she came back next year, would you be mad? Yes, I don't want to see her again. <laughs> I well, she'll be back if they're back. Oh, God. My guess is um, I think I had previously because I had in the past enjoyed Cameron. I think now if there are three that I think are <laughs> Moving on to the final round. <laughs> Should there be a final round? Right. Should none of them quit? I'm thinking the best case scenario is that they rebuild around Tiffany, Deandra, and Stephanie would be my guess. I don't think no one's watching Dallas. I know everyone says like Tiffany is the only reason they watch and no one's watching. So I don't think we could like take half the cast out or like just rebuild around Tiffany and Deandra. We're going to need a third, I think. And I think that third is probably a safe Stephanie. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening. Guys, I had fun today. I feel like Me we had too. some LOLs. We talked about some serious housewife stuff. This was well-rounded. It and was I, very productive. Yeah. You can't really tell, but we're all wearing glasses because we had an author on today. <laughs> and so there's a landing pad when we cottage later. and i'm wearing a monocle (laughs) i mean we're still shilling for this book go buy buy go buy brian's book um and also buy us a coffee are we still doing that they can still do it but they might as well get something out of it if they're spending money so go to our patreon (laughs) go to our patreon patreon.com slash know that pod like i said lots of tears happy tears that you can choose from (laughs) Um, all right i think we've done this so okay final final thoughts about about anything and everything before we leave uh quinn we'll start with you (sighs) final thoughts uh i will say that i really enjoy ebony on new york it's like having i was like watching a cousin it's very good to watch her shake up those women's lives i enjoy her she's she's made new york interesting uh for me again and i'm looking forward to seeing more um my final thought is about jersey i loved all of their costumes and we've already seen their costumes on instagram so i like i already decided whose costumes i like and didn't like then but hearing that Dolores went as a broken woman was incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. I I gasped. Yeah. That was good. I liked um, Teresa's like fucked up Candyland. What was she supposed to be? Cotton candy? Cotton candy. Cotton candy. I loved it. I'm still sweet. (laughs) Somebody said, I think Jennifer was like, hey, fairy. And she's like, I'm cotton candy. I like that Teresa went for it. That was like a really involved costume. I was annoyed that Marge felt she had to carry around those flowers all night. 
Morticia didn't always have those flowers. We know who you are if you don't have those flowers in your arms. So that's one thing. Also, if I was her, I'd be mad that my mother showed up and looked better than me because uh, March Senior March Senior looked better looked than her so at her hot. own party. She so. turned it out. Yeah. I yeah, I love Teresa's outfit. I loved uh Bill as Prince. I I mean, I don't need to go any harder on her. I thought um I didn't love Marge and Joe's outfits. I feel like the Morticia Gomez thing is a little like played out, as was Jennifer's J Lo. I didn't love that either. They should have been they should have been Super Mario and Princess Peach. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been good. They're too old for that, but that's what they should have been. What did her mm. friend go as? The one that talks like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i don't remember seeing her there i i forget what she had on she said something this episode and i wanted to write it down to try it to try an impression but i can't remember what it was i'm i'm Is it when she was talking about the she, she was like talking about what the the dance floor it was something when she was like outside talking about she that, talked right? a lot this episode I and i felt like her accent got heavier every time we heard her it's wild <laughs> It's like it's Harley like- Quinn on Downton Abbey. It's such a weird <laughs> accent. It is. It is. Oh yeah. God. It's strange. Oh, my God. My final thought. I love Sonia. I know we hit all the same beats with a lot of these women on a lot of these shows. We're hitting a lot of the same beats with Sonia. And I'm like, I'm kind of sonia out. And I'm worried because we're at episode two there's not a lot of and I think it might be because there's not a lot of growth like I just have always liked her so there's nowhere to go yeah but if we're on season 13 and you started on season three and you were divorced from your husband then and I don't mean to qualify anyone's marriage but you were only married a few years how are you still devastated 10 years later right when she was crying with the first healer of the episode (laughs) I I thought that he had died and we didn't know. And then she was like, in her confessional, she's like, he's not dead, but he's gone to me. And I was like, oh, that's, you're trying to sell the house and you're mourning like the end of your marriage still. That's like how we met you. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't work. I would have accepted alone the the 21st century, century 21 thing falling through. Um, Mm -hmm. I would have accepted her not being able to rent the town home because of COVID. Like that all made sense to me. But then I we're still doing this. We're still doing oh, the years. husband thing. Yeah. And the next episode, someone mentions Wells Fargo, <laughs> a competing bank, and, and Sonia loses her mind. I think we're like, I'm tapped out. And yeah. I that I I love Sonia, but I I'm not liking her. Or I don't know. I don't even dislike her. I'm just kind of done. Yeah. Speaking of things that are done and endings, we aren't. We're continuing. So starting this week. And only this week, because then we're getting on a new schedule. You're getting two episodes. Um, you're listening to this normally, and it's normal day Wednesday. But then we are also releasing another episode on Saturday, the 22nd. And then that's going to be our new schedule. New episodes every Saturday uh, to cover the episodes of The Real Housewives that are now going to be out on Tuesday and Wednesday. Perfect. Was Nailed it? it. <laughs> we got through it. Okay. Um, it'll do (laughs) know that (laughs) (laughs) so we will we will see you soon bye everyone see ya see ya thank you for listening if you'd like to support the show you can visit www.patreon.com slash know that pod you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at KnowThatPod. You can follow me, Anthony, uh, at Anthony F. 
Casella on Instagram. And you can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me, Quinn, at Quinton Lamar on Twitter. Continue to listen and subscribe for free to Know That A Real Housewives podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. <laughs>